Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAg. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews, reporting from the Chicago office. Joining me, as always, from Texas, Director of Feed Procurement, Mr. Jake Kingsley, and joining us for the first time on the grain feed from Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain, livestock broker and agent, Mr. Trey Freeman. Team, how are we today? Good to be here, Jim. All right, Jim. Trey, you are the co-host slash recurring guest star on Pasture to Pen video series here at EverAg, one of our more popular video series and podcasts. So please, viewers, tune in. Uh, I believe that was released yesterday on Wednesday, right, Trey? Yes, sir. Awesome. So please touch base with that crew if you have more questions on the livestock markets. Um, Trey, how are things in Oklahoma? Corn as high as an elephant's eye? You bet. Uh, uh, We've had tons of rain uh, through uh, May through about uh, mid-July. Getting a little hot. We're not supposed to have humidity here in Oklahoma. Uh, we have had so much this year. So uh, again, getting a little dry. We need we need some rain, but uh, overall looking good. Okay, that's good to hear because on the grain and feed side of thing, weather wise, we always talk about this this high pressure ridge. That's like the or the heat dome or whatever everyone's different terminology is. Not a meteorologist, of course, uh, but it's been kind of sitting over your guys' part of the world. And those of us up here, we're always worried: is that going to get pulled back from you guys over us? Was it going to sit down by you? So it's good to hear you at least had some precip. But again, of course, we always could use a little bit more. Um, Jake, the world wants to know, how was your Taylor Swift concert? 13 out of 10 stars, Jim. It was great. (laughs) And you know what? Through my research, I know that 13 is her lucky number. That's right. She just announced (laughs) this morning a second U.S. leg, fall of 2024. So if you didn't get tickets this time, you got another chance. That's great news, Jake. And I know so much about her now. So I think I might have to pony up. There you go. Maybe we'll go together. Uh, Maybe. New Orleans, Indianapolis, Miami. Take your pick. Yeah, Indianapolis. That sounds like a good one. That sounds great. Um, We did have a couple comments on the trivia questions last week. One being, Jake, the song title, as in the longest song title, number of words in the titles, we are never, ever getting back together. A lot of feedback on the longest song. I think the consensus was all too well, Mm -hmm. which was your answer. I think that's the longest song in duration, longest title. We are never, ever getting back together. That's right. I guess. Right? That sound good? Yep. Okay. And for those keeping track at home, I did use 10 Taylor Swift song titles in the monologue last week. So go back and tally up those 10 if you couldn't catch them all. Um, But we have a lot to run through today, you guys, on both livestock and feed markets. So, Corey, if you would kindly timestamp the broadcast. Oh, what a beautiful Thursday morning. Oh, what a beautiful day for corn bears in the last 10 days. We witnessed a high at 572, 572 and a quarter. And then we've had a substantial pullback to five bucks and below this morning. Looking at the markets right now, Thursday morning, we are trading 496 
on these corn. So we're starting to get closer to some of our purchasing targets for those buying grain. Soybean meal, that stubborn little byproduct, also managed a pullback yesterday. We broke 400 bucks a ton. We pushed her to 390, but this morning, Thursday morning, we've run her back up to 400. So a rough time for soybean meal breaking out of this range here. And we'll hear a bit more from Jake on how to handle that aspect of the feed market. So since it is always an exciting market for those feeding livestock, let's turn to Trey for his expertise on that market. So Trey, what's happening in the cattle markets this morning? You bet. And the cattle complex uh, were, were slightly higher. Um, you know, feeder cattle historically tend to make a top first week of August and decline into the 24th before moving higher into mid-September. Uh, looking at the action on the board today and uh, really since the beginning of this week, I've been a little disappointed in feeders' ability to capitalize on the continued bleeding in grain markets. Uh, yeah, Tuesday we had a sharp move higher boosted by fat cattle after the AM box beef showed choice up $6 a hundredweight. However, we're still in a sideways trade over the last month, even without any weakness in the cash markets. Uh, I believe this seasonal move lower has something to do with this sideways rut in feeders. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see another modest pullback lasting into late August. Uh, moving on to live cattle, we've also seen a bit of a sideways trade over the last seven trading sessions. Uh, Monday, we did see a spike lower on the charts. And if you look back to mid to late June, uh, this has happened three other times. All three times were met with strong buying support and a bottom before moving higher into new contract highs. In the box beef market, we topped at 340 in choice in mid-June. Uh, it's, it's since found support around the $300 level, uh, currently trading at 303 It's still the dog days of summer, so I don't see any real strength in box beef prices for a couple more, couple more weeks as we get a little closer to Labor Day weekend. Um, overall, these pullbacks in the cattle complex, they've been nothing but buying opportunities since the first of the year. Uh, as we enter the fourth quarter, supplies for market-ready cattle will tighten up again seasonally, so this should lend firm support to cattle prices into year-end. Now, turning to outside markets, I think the big news this week was uh, Finch uh, downgrading the U.S. credit rating. Uh, we saw some weakness across the commodities yesterday. Um, today, we're looking a little bit better. Uh, equities had, had kind of a sharp pullback yesterday. Um, we're slightly lower today. Um, crude's up, uh, heating oil, natural gas, so a little bit of a recovery. So as far as it relates to boxed beef, outside markets uh, really will determine consumer demand. It, it's been strong so far. Really, I think the economy has beat expectations, even though it's kind of been a sideways trade. We've seen some strength here recently, but it has outperformed expectations. One thing also is uh, I saw, saw an article the other day, average interest rate on credit cards in the U.S. is 20.67%. That's uh, that's historical high with, with data going back to 1994. That on top of uh, historical uh, credit card balances in the U.S. is uh, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely, Trey. Thank you for that. Uh, and you touched on the macros a bit in this week's uh, Pasture to Pen as well. It's always important to kind of take a step back. We're always so ingrained, if you will, in our own markets Take a step back and see how those outsides are impacting us. Uh, you touched on the uh, rating of the U.S. dollar, not exactly hurting dollar pricing at the moment. If you look at the dollar index, we have continued to really rally over the last two or three weeks. Yesterday's rating announcement did not slow it down. And of course, those 
purchasing commodities that are dollar denominated, the stronger the dollar gets, the more difficult that becomes. So very important to watch that. And perhaps an element of pressure on commodities, perhaps. Uh, you also touched on seasonality, which we appreciate. We track that very closely here at EverAg through some of our own software. Um, we're kind of seeing the same tendencies in the grain markets. It's this time of year, we kind of start to wonder, when does this seasonal break occur? When do we end up bottoming out? Is it in August now, or is it going to be closer to harvest? So um, great point touching on that front. So thank you, Trey. Uh, Jake, let's turn to you. We touched on the big dip in the corn market and then that range uh, in protein. So what's happening in the feed markets this week, Jake? Well, I think uh, as Trey had said earlier, you know, dips in these markets are opportunities. And the same thing is is true in the feed space here, particularly in protein. I think we're we're a lot less concerned about the corn balance sheet. But when you take a look at proteins, particularly what we could see with bean yields and how uh, bean ending stocks could very easily work their way into something of a, a hand to mouth situation this coming year. And now we're starting to see a decline in the Canadian canola balance sheet as well. First things first is the hot, dry weather that we had been dealing with putting pressure on yields. And we just don't know how that's going to shake out until we probably get into harvest. But both soybeans and canola have felt the effects of that. And so we've been encouraging folks to get fairly aggressive in the first half of the feed year and at least getting their protein basis worked out here. Half or even all of your October to March uh, protein basis, especially in canola. It feels like that market has kind of bottomed out here. Said, you know, that yield looks like it's going to be trimmed up a little bit. Not the catastrophe we had a few years ago in Canada where we lost a third of the crop, but they are going to trim that back. That balance sheet kind of peaked out in early spring here with a million metric tons of ending stocks projected after being half of that most of last year. And now China has come in and started buying in a pretty meaningful way at a pretty healthy pace to where they've got an export program going again that's really underpinning that basis market. And now we've seen that balance sheet trim back to 600,000 metric tons for the Canadian crop. That's a significant change over the last couple of months here. And I think it's going to support that crop. And in turn, it becomes supportive of soybean meal. And so said we've got a few pretty quick ways to get to sort of hand to mouth situation with beans. And so that already adds some support there. We're encouraging folks across most of the country to step in and get some sort of soybean meal basis set up and take advantage of these dips back to 390 type of areas on the futures market. I think we've been kind of internally discussing this seems like an area of support, at least for a little while here, 390, 380 seems like it's like it's going to be something tough to break through for this contract. Um, so taking advantage of that. And then looking over at corn, I think we're a little less uh, concerned about that just because that balance sheet is so much more fluffy. There are a lot of ways to end up with quite a bit of corn left in the country. And as Trey had said, a lot of the Western corn producing states, the, the plains and coming down into Texas, had some really nice rains when it mattered most early on in the season. My part of the world down here, Central Texas, I would guess that APH down here is something like 115, 120, 125 for some of the better ground. 
And some of these guys are talking that they're harvesting 150 to 170 bushel of corn. Now that maybe doesn't move the needle for the entire balance sheet here in the U.S., but that certainly slows down the uh, pace of trains moving south into the central Texas market to feed all these beef cattle and dairy cattle and chickens. Those are going to be some record yields for a lot of those guys. And I don't know that we hit records in the Panhandle in Kansas and Nebraska, but we have a very healthy rebound from last year's drought-stricken mid-100 type of yields that we had. So that helps out a lot, especially in the western half of the country in these rail-dependent markets. And then if you end up with the very lackluster export program that we kind of think could come together, the heart of the Corn Belt could experience a rebuilding of their balance sheet as well. And so I think we can be kind of patient on basis. These are some very fair numbers to step in and start getting something bought, but I don't think you have to come in and get super aggressive and do half or all of your basis at these numbers. I think you can get started, but you can also be patient on some of it. But again, these are some nice looks at $5 corn here, where if you're not going to buy it, certainly look at some cost-effective topside coverage for it too. So we've got a lot of ways to change this balance sheet and make it a heck of a lot healthier than it was last year. But at the same time, I think we've talked about this. This corn crop is just so unknown because of the way that June kind of shaped up that it's just hard to know what yields are actually going to be. So we could see this thing take a pretty good haircut and, and change directions on us pretty quick. So. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Jake. I mean, it's a we have been telling folks you can be a bit more patient on corn. There might be some room here below five, could be 10 to 20 cents below this $5 threshold. But if one were to step in and buy $5 corn, obviously, we're not going to be mad about that. We're not going to tell you not to. Um, the way corn has traded now the past 18 months plus 24 months, I mean, some of us should be celebrating uh, sub $5 corn. Um, so we don't want to get too greedy, right, in terms of sitting tight. But we do think because of what you said, that that looser balance sheet, you feel a bit more comfortable. Exports are lackluster. Whereas on the other side, exports are not lackluster in the soy complex. The Chinese continue to step in and buy uh, U.S. beans over the last week or so. Um, we've had some sales out for meal, bean meal. Um, so we're continuing to let demand kind of support the soy complex. But also we're worried that on the next WASDI report, which is next Friday, that perhaps the government cuts bean yields as well. So continue to tighten the balance sheet on both fronts, supply and demand. Uh, whereas on corn, it's probably most likely just supply trimming those yields um, but like you said, Jake, it's just kind of a toss up. I mean, those are big boy yield numbers uh, you just threw out there from your neck of the woods. Um, so if we can have similar trend up through the Midwest, you'd imagine the crop's going to be in decent shape. So both, thank you very much. We're not going to do Taylor Swift trivia again, right? We want to overwhelm uh, the viewers. But Trey, you're in the great state of Oklahoma, the birthplace of Will Rogers home to the National Cowboy Hall of Fame, and of course, inspiration for the hit Broadway musical. We're going to do just a couple quick trivia hits. Trey, what is Oklahoma? What's the state nickname? Jake? It's the Sooner State. The Sooner State. Oh, yeah, Trey, we got you on mute. Well, can I answer Sooner State now? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, getting, we're giving Jake this. We went to Jake for the Sooner State. That's right. It's the Sooner State. Uh, Trey, what is the state capital? Oklahoma City. Guthrie. That's right. What is the largest city in Oklahoma? 
It's got to be Oklahoma City. That's right. Trick question. Good job. What is the? I thought they were both trick questions. What is the? It's Oklahoma City. We got the state capital. It's like that's too easy. That ain't too easy. What is the? I got those two right. What is the state animal of Oklahoma? Scissor tail. Ooh, that's a state bird. Great answer, Jake. Animal. Apparently, different category than bird. Mammal. Yeah, let's go with mammal. Uh, well, is it is, is it the bison? Yeah, it's the buffalo. Yes, well done. Uh, which river serves as the border between Oklahoma and Texas? Uh, Red River. That's right, the Red River. If you go look at that map, their big squiggly line that borders those two states is that Red River. Trey, and just remember, these answers are from the internet, so you can also challenge me on these. But Cimarron County is the only county in the U.S. that touches four different states. <laughs> Cimarron. What are those four Cimarron states? County. Do it again. Cimarron? It'd be uh, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas. Bam! Trey smoked it. Good job. What was the pronunciation of the county? Cimarron. Cimarron. That's what I said. Paige will edit my uh, Cimarron in there so I sounded smart. All right. The musical Oklahoma, which opened in 1943 and then released on film in 1955, has what punctuation mark in the title? Exclamation. Yes. Trey. Nice work. And one more. What is the opening song to that musical? My God. I referenced it earlier in the in the episode. You, you got me. I, I know this one. It's too early. Just sing it. <laughs> Reference, referenced it twice. What is it, Jake? I don't know it. <laughs> I have oh, known. what a beautiful morning. Oh, oh okay. All right, Oklahoma. Good stuff, you guys. Really appreciate your Oklahoma knowledge and, of course, your market insights. Trey, thank you very much for joining the show. Great to have you on for the first time. Looking forward to having you back. Appreciate your insights on the livestock markets. And again, tune into Pasture to Pen, where Trey provides his insights, along with Michael Todd Rowan and other guests from our livestock team. We'd also like to thank Corey and the Everag Insights crew for their support and also for some assistance today on the recording. Thank you to Paige for her production magic. And thank you to the viewers for watching the grain feed. Contact information is on the screen. We greatly appreciate your feedback. That's all for today. See you next time on the grain feed. At Everag, we partner with every corner of the agriculture industry, from dairy to livestock, crops, and agribusiness to deliver intelligent supply chain and risk management solutions. We are EverAg, everything agriculture. Learn more at www.ever.ag everything.